If you need to be cured of any disease, say this prayer aloud. Heavenly Father, at this moment, I seek forgiveness for my sins and plead for your healing touch to encompass every part of my body. May your hand reach into every cell and organ, restoring my health. Pour out your mercy upon me Father, bringing renewal and well-being to every aspect of my life. Manifest your supernatural power God, and remove every affliction. Break the chains of illness and dissolve every bond of pain and suffering. Lord, I also ask for wisdom and discernment for doctors, healthcare professionals, and all those caring for the sick. May they be instruments in your hands, guided by your spirit, witnessing your extraordinary power, surpassing human expectations. I consecrate all my medications to you, that they may be instruments for my healing. Grant me wisdom to care for my body and adhere to the principles of a healthy life. Manifest your healing power in me, bringing relief and a testimony of your love. May everyone who encounters my healing journey be touched by you and experience your goodness and mercy. In Jesus' name, Amen. During the king's reign, God sent many prophets to warn the people about future events, the coming of the Messiah, Jesus. For example, Moses was the first one to prophesy it, and the prophet Isaiah prophesied the birth of Jesus and the others about the ministry and his death. Isaiah 7:14. 14. 14 Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. Isaiah 9-6-6 For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Isaiah 53, 3-7. 3 He was despised and rejected by humankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. For surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. 5 But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. 6 We all, like sheep, have gone astray, each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. 7 He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth, he was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Micah 5 2. 2 But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Zechariah 9-9. 9 Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Psalm 22. 16-18. 16 dogs surround me, a pack of villains encircles me, they pierce my hands and my feet. 17 All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. 18 They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. Have you ever stopped to analyze that all the prophets of the Old Testament had as their greatest prophecy not only their messages but also their own lives? What they lived was a prophetic act of what would happen in the future. For example, Jonah spent three days in the belly of a fish, something considered impossible because no one would survive the digestive acid inside the stomach of a large fish. Many believe he died, and on the third day, when he was spit out, he resurrected. This experience was a living prophecy of what would happen to the Messiah. Jesus would die on the cross and resurrect on the third day. In Luke 11:30, when Jesus is questioned by the Pharisees asking for a sign, he responds by saying that the sign of Jonah is enough. 
In other words, the scriptures and Jonah's life were already a sign of what Jesus would do. Another example is Hosea, who married a prostitute. This choice reflected the message he would prophesy about how God felt betrayed when his people prostituted themselves with false pagan gods. Hosea experienced this betrayal every night, becoming a living prophecy. The greatest prophecy of the prophets was in their lives more than in their words. This also applies to you. What you preach is your greatest prophecy, meaning your own testimony. It is of no use to say that you are a person of God if you do not live what you preach. People want to see in you the Jesus that you proclaim so much. In April 2023, the prophecy of Isaiah 41-18, which says, I will make rivers flow on barren heights, and springs within the valleys. I will turn the desert into pools of water, and the parched ground into springs, was fulfilled in two places. In the Negev Desert in Israel, videos showed the rebirth of a stream caused by the flooding of the bed by rainwater. Similarly, in Saudi Arabia, a river emerged in the midst of the desert. The kingdom of Judah remained for some years because few kings followed in the way of the Lord, but one of them, named Manasseh, who reigned between 697 BC to 642 BC, profaned the temple of the Lord, building altars for other gods inside and burned his son in sacrifice to other gods, he shed innocent blood and made the people turn away from the Lord. God gave the prophet Ezekiel a vision of what people were doing in God's temple before the temple was destroyed. The Lord showed him that the women wept for Tammuz, knelt at the feet of the statues, and other people worshipped the sun god. Note If you pay attention, all Roman churches use the symbol of the sun in everything and everywhere, including the holy tomb in Israel, which was the temple of Venus, Aphrodite, and Emperor Constantine replaced it. Jesus died outside the city, not inside as they claim. This is very clear in the Bible. God said, Therefore I will deal with them in anger. I will not look at them with pity or spare them. Even if they scream in my ears, I won't hear them. The last kings turned their back on me, and then, the prophecy that God gave to Jeremiah and Ezekiel was fulfilled. Ezekiel 8, 12-14 12 He said to me, Son of man, have you seen what the elders of Israel are doing in the darkness, each at the shrine of his own idol? They say, The Lord does not see us, the Lord has forsaken the land. 13 Again, he said, You will see them doing things that are even more detestable. 14 Then he brought me to the entrance of the north gate of the house of the Lord, and I saw women sitting there, mourning the god Tammuz. Jeremiah 25-8-9, 25 verse 11 and 29 verse 10. 8 Therefore the Lord Almighty says this, Because you have not listened to my words, 9 I will summon all the peoples of the north and my servant Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon, declares the Lord, and I will bring them against this land and its inhabitants and against all the surrounding nations. I will completely destroy them and make them an object of horror and scorn, and an everlasting ruin. 11 This whole country will become a desolate wasteland, and these nations will serve the king of Babylon 70 years. 10 This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. Zedekiah, the last king of Judea, 597-586 BC, swore to be a faithful servant to Nebuchadnezzar, but he plotted with the Pharaoh of Egypt behind his back, and because of this, in the ninth year of Zedekiah's reign, Nebuchadnezzar marched against Jerusalem and camped around the city, no one could enter or left the town. Months later the famine took over the city. King Zedekiah made a hole in the city's walls and fled, but
but the army of Babylon reached him. Nebuchadnezzar killed his sons in front of him, pierced his eyes, and took him as a prisoner. Check out the timeline of kings and prophets in the text. The army invaded the city and burned the temple of God, the palace, and all the houses. They destroyed the whole city and the walls of Jerusalem. As prophesied by the Lord, he allowed Jerusalem to fall into the power of the king Nebuchadnezzar that took all the Israelites into exile in Babylon, present-day Iraq, but some stayed behind to work in the vineyards. Among the exiles, four men were very faithful to God. They were Daniel, Ananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. They strictly followed the laws of God and did not eat any impure food. They were very blessed. They were trained and taken to Nebuchadnezzar after three years. Babylon was the most powerful kingdom of antiquity and also the most idolatry. To these four young guys, God gave wisdom and intelligence to know all aspects of culture and science. In addition, Daniel learned how to interpret all kinds of visions and dreams. They began to serve the king, he asked questions about everything, and the king discovered that they were ten times wiser than the magicians of his entire kingdom. One day King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream that disturbed him, he called all the soothsayers, magicians, and astrologers of the kingdom and offered gold and silver, but none of them could guess the dream. They told the king that it was impossible, so the king ordered him to kill all the wise men including Daniel and his friends. Daniel asked the king for a deadline to interpret the dream, so Daniel prayed and asked God, and he then dreamed of the same dream as King Nebuchadnezzar, and that was the dream. Daniel 2. 31, 35, 31 Your Majesty looked, and there before you stood a large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. 32 The head of the statue was made of pure gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, 33 its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly a baked clay. 34 While you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. 35 Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver and the gold were all broken to pieces and became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace. But the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. Daniel interpreted the dream by saying to the king, You are that head of gold. After you, another kingdom will arise, inferior to yours. Next, a third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule over the whole earth. Finally, there will be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, for iron breaks and smashes everything, and as iron breaks things to pieces, it will crush and break all the others. Just as you saw that the feet and toes were partly a baked clay and partly of iron, this will be a divided kingdom, yet it will have some strength of iron in it, even as you saw iron mixed with clay. The toes were iron and partly clay so that this kingdom will be somewhat firm and partly brittle. And just as you saw, the iron mixed with baked clay, so the people will be a mixture and will not remain united any more than iron mixes with clay. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to other people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will endure forever. Note. This prophecy happened in the year 583 before Christ. That is more than 2,400 years ago. I will pause the story of Daniel's life to expose the facts about the prophecy given to him through the king's dream. Everything that God showed them happened right after the coming of the Messiah Jesus and also shows what the end times will be like, which in this case is the moment we are living now. God's word is his bond, 
and he has always fulfilled his prophecies and promises, as God says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. The head of gold was Babylon, modern-day Iraq, the most powerful kingdom of all time. It reigned between 605 BC 539 BC. The chest and arms were silver. This was the Medo-Persia, modern-day Iran, kingdom led by King Cyrus the Great, who conquered Babylon and reigned between 539 BC and 331 BC. The belly and hips were bronze. This kingdom was Greece led by Alexander the Great between 331 BC 168 BC. An interesting fact, the arms of the Greeks were made of bronze. The legs were made of iron. This was the kingdom of the Roman Empire that reigned between 168 BC 476 AD. The prophecy says that the fourth kingdom would not be conquered but divided. These were the feet with ten fingers of clay and iron mixed. And the stone that destroyed everything and sat all over the earth is the kingdom that will come after the end times. It will be the new Jerusalem when God restores everything and gives us eternal life. In 285 AD, Emperor Diocletian decided that the Roman Empire was too big to manage. He divided the empire into two parts, the Eastern Roman Empire and the Western Roman Empire. In AD 350-476, the empire was divided again into ten tribes that would later become ten European countries. These were the ten tribes Alemanni, Germany, Burgundians, Swiss, Franks, France, Lombards, Italy, Saxons, England, Suevi, Portugal, Visigoths, Spain, Heruli, extinct, Ostrogoths, extinct, and Vandals, extinct. As Daniel said, they would try to make political alliances, but they failed, as iron does not mix with clay. They tried to unify the empire again five times. King Charlemagne in AD 768-814, Charles V AD 1519-1556, King Louis XIV of France AD 1643-1715, Napoleon Bonaparte A.D. 1804-1814, and Adolf Hitler A.D. 1934-1945. Everyone failed. In the year A.D. 312, Emperor Constantine said he had a vision, and an angel told him that by the sign of the cross, he would win the battle, but at that time, Christianity was multiplying, and even the nobles from Rome were converting. This was not good for business, as the expression says, if you cannot beat your enemies join them. Constantine had a cross painted on the soldiers' shields, and he won the battle. After that, he decided to convert to Christianity but never wanted to be baptized as Jesus commanded in his teachings. And that's how the Roman Catholic Church was created. After this event, some Christians gained high positions at the court of the Roman Empire and became influential people. The emperor determined that everyone convert to Christianity. The problem was that the people brought with them their statues and pagan habits, and as we learned earlier, the true living God always disapproved of those who lived worshipping false gods. The statues of Roman paganism also gained new names. Saturn became the Apostle Peter, Jupiter became Joseph, Venus became the Virgin Mary, Cupid became Jesus, Hermes became the John the Baptist, by the way his statue holds a lamb, they say it's John holding the Lamb of God that is Jesus. So they renamed the Roman gods as the characters of the New Testament and created gods as if they were part of true Christianity. The statues of Roman paganism also gained new names. Saturn became the Apostle Peter, Jupiter became Joseph, Venus became the Virgin Mary, and Cupid became Jesus. 
so they renamed the all the Roman gods as the characters of the New Testament, creating new gods as if they were part of true Christianity, and they were called saints instead of gods. History repeated itself when the Spanish Catholics baptized the African slaves into Catholicism, but the Yorubas held on to their faith by hiding their gods and making the Spanish believe that they were worshipping the Catholic saints. These actions led to the syncretism, union or merging of two religions into one, of the Catholic religion and the African religion. The African slaves identified each saint of the Catholic religion with the Orisha gods, depending on their similarity. Obatala as Jesus, Ogum as Saint Peter, Ozan as Saint Juan Batista, Ochun as Our Lady of Charity, Shango as Saint Barbara. Alegua as Saint Anthony, Oba as Saint Catherine of Siena, Ibeji as Saint Cosme and Saint Damien, Oranmila as Saint Francis of Assisi, Las Mercedes or Yemoja as Virgin Mary. These are the main ones, but there are numerous other Orishas that are in the form of saints of the Catholic Church. When Emperor Constantine left Rome and went to take over Constantinople, he left the Western Empire in the hands of the Bishop of Rome. In the year 538, the Emperor Justin appointed the bishop as the head of all Roman Catholic churches. In the same year, he gained not only religious power but also political power and civil power. Everything was in the hands of the Pope, even after the fall of the Roman Empire he remained in power. Note. When God meant that iron does not mix with clay, it is because we Christians are his church, and Rome is the state with political power. True faith does not mix with politics because truth and lies cannot go hand in hand. Moreover, Jesus died at the hands of the Romans, and they also killed and tortured all Jesus' followers. Daniel had another dream about four beasts coming out of the sea. It was the same prophecy yet more detailed. Daniel 7, 3, 1, 4, 3, 4 great beasts, each different from the others, came up out of the sea. Four the first was like a lion, and it had the wings of an eagle. I watched until its wings were torn off and it was lifted from the ground so that it stood on two feet like a human being, and the mind of a human was given to it. Five and there before me was a second beast, which looked like a bear. It was raised up on one of its sides, and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. It was told, get up and eat your fill of flesh. Six after that, I looked, and there before me was another beast, one that looked like a leopard. And on its back it had four wings like those of a bird. This beast had four heads, and it was given authority to rule. Seven after that, in my vision at night I looked, and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. It had large iron teeth, it crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from all the former beasts, and it had ten horns. Eight while I was thinking about the horns, there before me was another horn, a little one, which came up among them and three of the first horns were uprooted before it. This horn had eyes like the eyes of a human being and a mouth that spoke boastfully. Nine as I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow, the hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. Ten a river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him, 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. 11 then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. 12. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority, 
but were allowed to live for a period of time. Thirteen in my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. Fourteen he was given authority, glory and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. The Interpretation of the Dream Daniel 7, 17-27-17 The four great beasts are four kings that will rise from the earth. 18 But the holy people of the Most High will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever, yes, forever and ever. 19 Then I wanted to know the meaning of the fourth beast, which was different from all the others and most terrifying, with its iron teeth and bronze claws, the beast that crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. 20 I also wanted to know about the ten horns on its head and about the other horn that came up, before which three of them fell, the horn that looked more imposing than the others and that had eyes and a mouth that spoke boastfully. 21 As I watched, this horn was waging war against the holy people and defeating them, 22 until the Ancient of Days came and pronounced judgment in favor of the holy people of the Most High, and the time came when they possessed the kingdom. 23 He gave me this explanation. The fourth beast is a fourth kingdom that will appear on earth. It will be different from all the other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth, trampling it down and crushing it. 24 The ten horns are ten kings who will come from this kingdom. After them another king will arise, different from the earlier ones, he will subdue three kings. 25 He will speak against the Most High and oppress his holy people and try to change the set times and the laws. The holy people will be delivered into his hands for a time, times and half a time. 26 But the court will sit, and his power will be taken away and completely destroyed forever. 27 Then the sovereignty, power and greatness of all the kingdoms under heaven will be handed over to the holy people of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all rulers will worship and obey him. Note The following facts are extremely important. Many people read the Bible and understand nothing because the prophecies are often written as parables, metaphors, and symbolic terms. So, it does not mean that four monsters will come out of the sea and destroy the earth, but much worse things are about to come. So listen carefully, because here are the answers that many people seek but cannot understand. First, let's understand what the symbols of the Old Testament of the Bible represent. The beast or horn in the Bible means a king or a kingdom, a nation, a political power, or a superpower. Blasphemy is when you insult the Holy Spirit of God, or claim to be God on earth. In John chapter 10 verse 30 minus 33, and Mark chapter 2 verses 4 to 7, the Pharisees accused Jesus of blasphemy for forgiving sins, but he was the Son of God, and the only one who had authority on earth for this, in the Bible time, means one year times, means two years, and a half time, means half year, in Ezekiel chapter 4 verse 4 minus 6 and Numbers 14 34, one day means one year, it is 42 months equals 1260 days, which means literal 1260 years. Don't forget that the years before Christ are decreasing. The first animal would be a lion with wings. The first kingdom of Babylon had as its main symbols animals with wings and lions, in Jeremiah 4, 6-7, God describes Babylon as a lion, while in Habakkuk 1-6-8, he describes it as an eagle. The golden head of the first prophecy and the lion with wings is Babylon. The second animal would be a bear with three ribs in its mouth, 
it would be Medo-Persia, and the part of the statue with its chest and arms of silver, the three ribs in its mouth because of the voracity in the conquest of Libya, Egypt, and Babylon. The third animal would be a leopard, with four heads and four wings that would also be the bronze legs of the statue, that would be Greece, led by Alexander the Great, who conquered the most significant number of territories in record time, and after his death, four generals divided the kingdom. Daniel wanted to know about the fourth kingdom as we saw in the previous prophecy, the fourth kingdom would be Rome, with its feet and ten fingers of iron with clay and divided into ten tribes, and three of the ten tribes are extinct, as he said that three horns fell, and another little horn was born in the same place, and this horn spoke arrogantly, to find out who this little horn is let's check the facts. It is a small kingdom that arose after the division of the ten tribes that occurred in the year 476, and it will have a leader who will speak arrogantly, in other words, speak blasphemies, he will try to change the times and laws of God, and persecute the saints, and led for 1260 years. The smallest country in the world is the Vatican, which emerged after the division of Rome and was established in Italy. According to the law of Emperor Justin, in the year AD 538, he gave political, civil, and ecclesiastical power to Pope Vigilius. The three extinct tribes refused to be Catholic, and the Pope asked the Emperor to get rid of them, all countries were a kingdom, but the Vatican was a mixture of church and politics. Daniel also says that he spoke blasphemies. Popes adopted the title, Vicarious Fili Dei, which means substitute of God, in 1895, an article from the Catholic National stated, the Pope is not only the representative of Jesus Christ, but he is Jesus Christ himself hidden under the veil of flesh. Does the Pope speak? It is Jesus Christ who speaks. Does the Pope accord a favor or pronounce an anathema? It is Jesus Christ who pronounces the anathema or accords the favor. So that when the Pope speaks, we have no business to examine, we have to obey. One of the letters to Leo XIII, page 304 We keep in this earth the place of the Almighty God. In the Priest's Book of Duties, page 34 We are the Redeemer, Jesus Christ, to enter a church and sit in a confessional to administer the sacrament of penance, and for the priest to sit in a confessional, Jesus would say about each penitent, Ego the absolvo, I forgive you, and the priest would say in the same way about each of his penitents, Ego the absolvo, and the penitents of each one would be equally acquitted. The main question here is, who's bigger? The Pope or God? They claim to have the power to forgive sins on earth, and this means blasphemy. Only God has the power to forgive sins. The only man who had this power on earth was Jesus because God gave him authority for it, and after Jesus died for us, through him, we can ask God for forgiveness directly, because Jesus is the bridge that connects us to God, not through a simple man. Only God can give us a punishment if it is his will. About the persecution of saints, the Roman Empire shed more Christian blood than any other kingdom on the face of the earth. More than 100 million Christians were killed by the Pope during the Dark Ages. This period was called that because the Bible was forbidden. If the Pope caught someone with the Bible this person was tortured and put to death. Between the year of 1500 and 1600 people began to realize that the Pope was linked to the prophecies. Because of that, they tried to change the prophecies, and make the priests told another vision about this prophecy. Bishop Francisco Ribera said that this would only happen in the future, and would be a man from the United Arab Emirates, the second bishop hired by the Pope was Louis of Alcazar. The latter said this prophecy had already happened during Emperor Nero's times, in fact, he killed many Christians. However, he does not complete the list of characteristics described in the prophecy. 
Many vital names rose against the papacy after identifying him in the prophecies. Such as John Wycliffe, John Huss, and Martin Luther, and this was the beginning of Protestantism. Lucius Ferraris Prompta Bibliotheca article, Papa 2 volume 6 page 29, the Bishop of Rome is of so great authority and power that he can modify, explain, or interpret even divine laws, the Bishop of Rome can modify divine law, since his power is not of a man, but of God, and he acts as vicegerent, representative, of God in earth. The Protestant Reformation in 16th century Europe challenged the Catholic Church's authority, especially to papal authority, due to errors, abuses, and discrepancies committed by the clergy. Marking the start of Protestantism and signifying the end of the Middle Ages, ushering in the modern era. John Wycliffe spent 13 years producing an English Bible, starting in 1382. However, a bill was introduced to Parliament to ban the English Bible and arrest anyone in possession of a copy of the sacred book. In 1402, Jan Hus, a newly ordained Czech priest, was assigned to celebrate Masses in Prague. He began using the Bible translated by John and decided to translate it into Czech instead of Latin. Once again, the Catholic Church felt threatened and ordered him to be burned alive. They understood that revealing the Vatican's falsehoods would lead people to distance themselves, eroding the Church's religious and political power. Jesus said and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, that's exactly what happened to those people, they were freed from papal power. Translating the Bible may seem like a harmless activity, but history shows otherwise. The 16th century was, by far, the bloodiest period for Bible translators. All these reformers preceded Martin Luther, but the significant shift occurred when he presented the 95 Theses in 1517, exposing the Vatican's flawed teachings. Luther revealed how Rome worshipped false gods, blending pagan customs with Christianity, distorting the teachings of Jesus. And since the Bible had no translation at that time, the popes took advantage of the uneducated people and taught heresies to people and they believed because they had no way to reach the truthfulness of the facts. The Bible contains 66 books, but the Catholic Bible has additional books known as the Apocrypha. These books were produced during the intertestamental period, never part of the Hebrew canon. They were officially adopted on April 8, 1546, during the Council of Trent to counter the reformers who translated the Bible into the people's language so they could have access to it. The reformers argued against practices like worshipping saints, praying for the dead, and belief in purgatory, claiming they lacked biblical basis. In response, the Council added seven books, Tobit, Judith, 1 and 2 Maccabees, Sirach, Baruch, and Wisdom. They also made additions and changes to Esther, Daniel, and Exodus, as we saw in the beginning, because of the connection between prophecies and the Pope. The Vatican sought to compel everyone to accept these books under the threat of anathema for those who refused. These books provided a foundation for some Catholic doctrines not supported by the Bible. For instance, teachings on purgatory, giving alms to purify sin, praying and making sacrifices for the dead, and the Immaculate Conception of Mary. They also suggest that it is possible to expel demons through sorcery and that revenge, selfishness, and cruelty are not condemnable attitudes, among other heresies. Neither Jesus nor the Apostles cited these books, and the authors of the Apocrypha did not claim divine inspiration for them. While some of these books may be studied as historical texts, they should not be considered as instructional parts of sacred scriptures. Note. The most intriguing aspect is that people claim the Bible is just a simple book written by men and is worthless. 
a fairy tale as many like to say. However, if the Bible is merely a simple book, as many assert, why is there so much persecution against a book that supposedly has no value? Why is it banned in so many countries while other religious books are not? Imagine if there were no religions in the world, only the side of good and evil, what do you think the side of evil would do? The devil knows the Bible better than anyone in this world, and his objective is to keep people ignorant and unaware of God's word. This way, he can spread lies and make people believe in him. There are 2,500 prophecies in the Bible. More than 2,000 of them have been fulfilled in detail, found in the Old Testament. Some of them were fulfilled in 2023. No other religion has prophecies, and do you know why? Because if these prophecies are not fulfilled, the religion collapses. That's why God gave us prophecies, to show that He is God, the only one who knows the future. As I had already written about it at the beginning, the Catholic Church changed the laws of God given to Moses. The last characteristic described in the prophecy is that he would reign for 1,260 years. The Pope assumed full power in AD 538. In the year AD 1798, Napoleon Bonaparte got tired of obeying the Pope's orders and sent General Berthier to arrest the Pope and claim Rome. He took away the power of the Pope, so let's do the math, from the year 538 to 1798 is exactly 1,260 years. Later the Pope will get his power again, according to the book of Revelation. We will see it at the end of this study. Note, God's word is unique, and it survived for millennia. Many people tried to prove that it was a lie, but they failed every time. No one has the power to change or silence the most powerful book on earth. As the Lord says Matthew 24:35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. Daniel had another dream, and this is also about the end times, but we have already lived part of it, and this prophecy is intertwined with the book of Revelation written by John, the disciple of Jesus. Daniel 9, 23, 27, 23 As soon as you began to pray, a word went out, which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision, 2470, 7s, are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy place. 25 Know and understand this. From the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler, comes, there will be seven, sevens, and sixty-two, sevens. It will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. 26 After the sixty-two, sevens, the anointed one will be put to death and will have nothing. The people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end, and desolations have been decreed. 27 He will confirm a covenant with many for one, seven. In the middle of the, seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. And at the temple he will set up an abomination that causes desolation, until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. To understand the prophecy, let's go back to the symbols to interpret it. One day in the Old Testament of the Bible means a literal year, so 70 weeks would be 490 years, but in verse 25, the weeks would be divided so that it would be 62 plus 7 weeks equals 69 weeks or 483 years, there would be one week left that would be 7 years. 
The starting point of these 70 weeks was to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. When Artaxerxes I issued his first decree, Ezra 7, 7-8 in verses 12-26 in the seventh year of his reign in 457 BC, and based on the historical foundation for that date. The divisions of the prophecy of the 70 weeks, 7 weeks equals 49 years plus 62 weeks equals 434 years, or 69 weeks equals 483 years. The completion of the 483 years is from 457 BC until AD 26. The exact date that Jesus was baptized and began his ministry of three and a half years, and he rose again in AD 30. The end of the seven-week first division is 408 BC. This first division of 49 years is about to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. There is little information about the period around 400 BC. Note. The calendar used for all these accounts is Hebrew and not the Gregorian calendar that the Pope created after the just-in-Roman calendar. Also don't forget that the years are decreasing. The Gregorian calendar is the one we currently use. This proves how the influence of pagan Rome still reigns worldwide. There were other decrees of reconstruction, but none of them fits all the facts because the Romans would later destroy Jerusalem in the year AD 70. Verse 27 refers to the end times that we have not yet lived, but it is very close to happening and is also connected to the book of Revelation. From 70 weeks, only 69 weeks have been fulfilled by prophecy, and there is still one week left, it means seven years. It refers to the Antichrist and the false prophet who will make an alliance with the Jewish people and rebuild the third temple. Moreover, he will bring false peace to the world for three and a half years. After that, he will suffer an attack and pretend that he died, and he will rise on the third day. The Jews will believe that he is the Messiah. He will imitate Jesus, and he will deceive the world. Note. The Jews do not believe that Jesus is the Messiah because he did not rebuild the third temple and did not bring world peace, but he will do it when he returns to seek his people and takes them to his kingdom. After that, he will destroy the temple and put an image of himself inside, and in the other three and a half years, it will be the great tribulation. He will establish a single government and a single currency, and whoever does not have the mark of the beast will neither be able to buy nor sell. Whoever does not adhere and stand firm will be saved by Jesus at the end of that time. The Antichrist will come to prove the faith of those left behind after the church's rapture. We will see more about the end times at the end of this study, now we are going to continue with Daniel's story. After all these revelations that God gave Daniel, King Nebuchadnezzar built a golden statue and ordered everyone to bow down to it. Daniel's friends refused to kneel before a statue, so the king decided to throw them into a fire furnace. The furnace was so hot that it killed the soldiers who took them, the three friends were thrown into the fire. Afterward, everyone saw a fourth man inside with them, so the king screamed and asked them to leave, and the three came out unharmed. The king got shocked and said, Praise your God, you challenged my order, so I decree that anyone who says something against this God will be torn apart, and they got promoted by the king. Nebuchadnezzar had another dream, and Daniel interpreted that the king would live like an animal for seven years. The dream came true. After all this time, his understanding returned, and he gave glory to the only living God, and his kingdom was restored. After his death, King Belshazzar inherited the throne and offered a lavish banquet. He had brought the sacred bowls they stole from the Temple of Jerusalem. Suddenly fingers began to write on the wall of the royal palace. The king was so scared that his legs trembled. He sent for all the wise men, 
but no one knew what was written, so he sent for Daniel, and he said, Your predecessor was humiliated and recognized the glory of God, and you know all this acted arrogantly, bringing the bowls consecrated to the temple of God for a feast full of idols, the writing said, Mean, mean, tekel, parson. Here is what these words mean, mean, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel. You have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Parson. Your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. The same night he died, and Cyrus the Great conquered Babylon and became the king of all territories. It was in the year of 539 BC. Cyrus placed Darius the Mede as governor, king of Babylon, as he remained in Persia, fulfilling the prophecy of Daniel, where he says about, the chest and arms were silver, or a bear with three ribs in its mouth, this was the Medo-Persia, modern-day Iran, which took the kingdom from them. He placed Daniel as supervisor of his kingdom, he noticed that Daniel was very wise man, he thought of putting him as governor instead of, because of this, the other supervisors got jealous, and began to find reasons to overthrow Daniel, but they found nothing, so they deceived the king and made him sign a decree that no one could worship any god for thirty days except the king. And whoever did not comply with the rule, would be thrown into the den of the lions, they knew that Daniel prayed to God three times a day and handed him over, the king tried to save Daniel, but neither him could not change or edit his own decree, he found nothing that could save him, so, he threw Daniel into the den of lions, the king could not sleep all night, so in the morning he ran to the cave and called for Daniel, and he replied, My God sent his angel who closed the mouths of lions, and they did me no harm because I was considered innocent in God's eyes. The king asked them to take him out of there, and saw that Daniel had no injury, so the king ordered those who accused Daniel to be thrown into the lion's den and they were devoured before they reached the bottom of the cave. 